Amen. Hey, once again, we are in our new study. That's right, Freemasonry. And uh, what we've been seeing is we've been uh, following up our long study on occult long. Why is that? Because that, thank you, Melissa, it was 66 weeks. Are you serious? Yeah, 66 weeks. Who's counting? Yours truly. 66 weeks on the occult. We dealt with that. And now, frankly, we're moving on to what? Occult societies, okay, is really where we're at. And the first one, of course, is Freemasonry. You guys know why it's Freemasonry? Because that's what the graphic says. So that's why. So let's just move on. Uh, so far, we took a, cr- a shot across the bow, I call it, on our very first study. We were very blunt because my goal was, hey, if only this was the only one you could attend to, if this is the only one you're watching online, it's very blunt. If you are a professing Christian and you're a part of this group, you better run, you better repent, you better get right with God. No Christian has any part to do with this stuff. This is satanic. It is horrible. You're going to see that again more tonight. That was our first study. Last time, if you are here, we began the journey of the history of Freemasonry. How in the world did this begin? How did the secret society not just start, but how did it permeate the world, world governments, and even as we saw, even in the church? And then you think, man, the church? Yeah. And we think about that. What we did, we had a 66 weeks study on the occult, and we saw that all the occult, the witchcraft, the Satanism, the voodoo, the shamanism, the druidism, all that stuff is already in the church. And it's like, man, no wonder things are messed up. Now add to that, what else is in the church? Secret societies, occult secret societies is in the church. No wonder things are so messed up and they just don't ever seem uh, to change. And you might think, well, wait a second, secret societies, uh, uh, the occult, uh, Freemasonry, isn't that just a wacky conspiracy theory, John? No, it's the truth. Praise God. That's right. There really are a group of people who have started a satanic society, a secret society, that literally, as you're going to see tonight, they plan on taking over the world. Okay? And the reason why a lot of people haven't heard of it is because by nature, what kind of a society? It's a secret society, right? Because if they blew the plans up and said, hey, this is what we're doing, people would freak out. So they hide behind closed doors and they lie with their secret meetings, secret handshakes, secret symbols. That will be the next one. Secret messages and their secret oaths with the penalty of death. Now, part of the people who are involved in this, we dealt with it a little bit last time with the, the uh, history section, is specifically, and you're talking about people who want to take over the world, secret societies and that stuff, is the British nobility. Because after they lost America in 1776, the British have never had plans to take over America. Have you heard of the War 1812? That one always gets a free pass. No, people don't talk about that. What was that? England tried to get America back, right? That was what the whole thing was about. And well, that they lost, but they uh, they just gave up. Yeah, wait till you see what we're going to do with that. But let's take a look at the British nobility and uh, their involvement in Freemasonry, and then we're going to see why and what they're doing with it today. But let's take a look. King Edward VII, the Freemason in the royal court. Before ascending to the throne as King Edward VII, he served as the Grand Master of the United Grand Lodge of England during his years as the Prince of Wales. From 1874 to 1901, his active engagement with the fraternity significantly enhanced Freemasonry's public image. His royal position lent a unique prestige to the role, fostering a stronger bond between the monarchy and Freemasonry. It bridged the social and institutional gap, connecting two powerful entities in English society. King Edward's tenure as Grand Master saw a period of increasing influence for Freemasonry, partly due to his royal stature and personal commitment to the fraternity. His involvement showcases the reach of Freemasonry across different strata of society, from the arts and literature to the highest echelons of power. The recent death of a famous Freemason. 
You might think he'd been around since the Freemasons started. He was almost a hundred years old, after all. But that's not the case. The late Prince Philip began his Freemasonry journey when he was 31 years old back in 1952. He was initiated into the Navy Lodge. Just a few months thereafter, he progressed onto the second degree of Freemasonry and then the third. He was a member of the United Grand Lodge of England until his death. He was patron or president for some 800 organizations and had special interests in scientific and technological research and development, the encouragement of sport, the welfare of young people, and conservation of the environment, according to freemasonrytoday.com. And he's not the only famous Freemason in the Navy Lodge, which Prince Philip was a part of, there have been some high-profile names as past members. They include King Edward VII, King Edward VIII, King George VI, and King George II of the Hellenes. In other words, the British nobility. Interesting. Lost America, tried it in 1812, lost it again. Did they give up? No. Nope. Nope. Not at all. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, Prince uh, Edward, Prince Philip there, uh, wasn't he involved uh, in pedophilia with the yes. Epstein stuff? Yes. Don't these guys work with kids a lot, the Freemasons? Yes. They probably don't have other aberrant behavior, rotten, evil, sexual moral behavior with kids behind. Yeah, we're not there yet in the study. Uh, but if you're not familiar with him, he was also not just a Freemason, and he just recently died. He was a population control advocate to where he said that when he died, and he's dead, and he knows better now, uh, he wished that he could become, be reincarnated into a virus to eliminate a big chunk of humanity. That's this British nobility guy, right? But watch this. He has been not only a Freemason all that time, okay, but listen to the ideas that he is espoused for the planet, but watch this. It's um, totally useless for a lot of well-meaning people to wring their hands in conference and to point out the dangers of pollution or destruction of the country's countryside if no one is willing or capable of taking any action. The impassioned speeches will be so much effluent under the bridge unless it is followed by drastic political action. Well, sir, Time is fast running out. What do you think are the most serious issues faced by conservationists and World Wildlife Fund over the next 20 years or so? 95% of the whole of the uh, Atlantic rainforest in Brazil has, has disappeared in the last 100 years. There is simply nowhere for these animals to live. At the basis of it all is this colossal increase in the human population. It's one of, of, the, of the living species of the planet, but it's... it's reaching plague proportions. As far as conservation is concerned, well, I think it's, it's, um, it's a direct issue for the future of the globe, I think. Uh, because, well, look what's happening now. The, the food prices are going up. Everybody thinks it's to do with the, not enough food. It's, it's really, the demand is too great. Yes, too many people. Too many people, really. Yes. What do you see as the biggest challenges in, in conservation? Well, the, the growing human population. <laughs> Where we are, there's nothing else. And do you have views about what should be done about that? 
Patrick Gills. Uh, well, it could be on a, on a spectrum from mass sterilization to, uh, to, to uh, you know, greater availability of contraception. I don't know. I don't know what the views are as to what can be done about it. Well, I think, I think uh, it might be described as voluntary family limitation. All right, let's start with your family. That it's never that. We could use the word nobility, or you could use elite. But listen to their attitude. Oh, croissant, crumpet, right? We have the position, we have the power, right? We're in charge, and we're doing this for your own good. Doing what? Now, as we saw before in our other studies, a population control. We are not overpopulated. No. Get in a plane, look out the window. I was just over in Europe. It's the same thing over there. <gasps> Shocker. There's so much land, it's not even funny. When I was over the trip before last in Scotland, we went up to Loch Ness. And I took the little Loch Ness touristy thing. And on that, even their own video, they said the whole population of the world could fit in just Loch Ness three times. I went and actually researched it. They actually got it wrong. It was 10 times. We are not overpopulated. Why are these guys doing this? The reason why they're pushing depopulation is twofold. Number one, because by sheer numbers, we outnumber them because, remember, they're the noble, the elite, right? And we could rise up at any time. That was our Second Amendment, right? By the way, America was founded by what? People telling us what to do taxes without representation, basically tyranny. So they escaped that and set up a system and then had a backup plan. If your government ever got out of line, then you got the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. And that wasn't for you know shaving your forearm. That was to take your government back by force if you have to, because we ain't doing that again because that's what they did. They were dictating, controlling people's lives, de determining what religion you could have, right? A determine whether you live or not or die or everything. They were in charge. The nobility, the elites were in charge. Our whole country's way of life was rejecting that system, right? And they lost it, and they lost it a couple of different times, but they haven't given up. We'll see that in a second. But the population control myth is that. It's a myth. It's a lie. So why are they doing that? Because there's one way to get control back when you're losing control out of sheer numbers of people. Still plenty of room on the planet, but sheer numbers of people who might not go along with your plans. You limit the amount of people who could rebel. That's really, I believe, what's going on. Because they know it's not overcrowded. So they come up with this, this lie, this climate change, this lie of overpopulation to actually get us to go along with basically coaling the planet. Because the less people, it's easier to control. Number one is, is why uh, they're doing that. So that, that thing is a lie. But the other thing, too, is their version of a wonderful world is they want to go back to the kings and the peasants. Right? And so they want to basically have a, just enough people left on the planet to serve them. Does that sound great for you? Are you excited about that future? Isn't that wonderful? Right? So that's really what they're up to. But again, who's behind this? Oh, the elites. We call Klaus Schwab and the guys the elites. These guys are the noble class. Right? But my point is, where is this coming from? Who is he connected to? Freemasonry. Right? And Swab, we'll see that in a second. You're getting ahead of my notes here. Okay. But that's also why for years, even prior to the COVID pandemic, which is meeting their agenda to cold the planet, this is why for years they pushed feminism. 
right? Anti-marriage and things of that nature. This is why they push the alphabet gang, LGBTQ and all that stuff. Why? Because you don't have babies when you are LGBTQ. It's all part of population growth. Sterilization. That's another side effect of the COVID shots as we saw before. That's also a side effect of the tetanus shot. Wait till you see that one. That was a lie. All their shots are a lie, folks. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. But listen to the doctor who's got a knife on the front row. I'm telling you. Uh, don't take any shot from these guys. Okay. Uh, but all of it is lower. But my point is Freemasonry, the connection is where are these getting these ideas that they want to cull the planet for better control so they can create their version of utopia while they <laughs> get to stay at the top and have peasants serve them. It's coming from Freemasonry. Way back, way back in the day. In fact, let me demonstrate to you another Freemason connection. It isn't just calling the planet the lie of depopulation, but they admit that they created a secret society uh, to take over the planet. And those that are left get to serve them. But here it is, another Freemasonry connection. Watch this. British Freemasonry would go on to become the secret society of the establishment. In England, 300 lodges grew to 1,000 by the 1860s, 2,000 by the 1880s, and 3,000 by the start of the 20th century. Hundreds more sprouted throughout the empire. The poet laureate of British imperialism, Rudyard Kipling, a Mason, popularized the brotherhood in his writing. Look at his The Man Who Would Be King. Of course, membership was heavily concentrated at the upper end of society, men who already enjoyed some wealth and power. For some, however, Freemasonry wasn't exclusive or serious enough. One such man was arch-imperialist Cecil Rhodes, the guiding hand behind the creation of British South Africa, the De Beers Diamond Cartel, and the Boer War. Rhodes joined a Masonic Lodge in the 1870s because, he said, he saw the wealth and power they possess and the influence they hold. Rhodes' grand idea was to bring the whole uncivilized world under British rule, recover the United States, and make the Anglo-Saxon race one empire. So, along with plotting the British conquest of South Africa's gold and diamonds, Rhodes formed his own secret organization, dubbed the Society of the Elect. Into it, he selectively recruited statesmen, financiers, and industrialists. Part of his scheme, not incidentally, was the Rhodes Scholarship, designed to turn worthy Americans into right-thinking Englishmen. You catch it? In other words, Americans who, you take this scholarship, but you get a part of the secret club that's tied with Freemasonry to want to take over the world, and they will instruct you on how to be a part of it and basically undermine your own country. Your own people rhymes with America. You wonder why we have so many people in government right now, both sides of the party, that are so eager to sell out America? Who are they working for? Where did they get their scholarships? How did they get into Yale and Harvard? Who gave them the money to do that? Who gave them the money for their campaign? Why is our government not just messed up, but why are so many people so anti-American, pro-global, anti-American sovereignty? Maybe there's been a plan in place for a long time. And now these same British elite nobles are working with another guy, this guy, 
and they've just came out with a label. We're just going to call this the Great Reset. But what is the Great Reset, as we saw? It's coal the planet for better control, and then those who remain get to serve the elites, the nobles. They just changed the term. But they're still working together to this day. And, and I quote this, uh, now, now King Charles, you think, well, so, who, so what? It's just, that's England, whoop-de-doo, England. What, what? Listen, Britain's King Charles III has ties with 56 Commonwealth countries representing one quarter of the Earth's population. You may not get it, but the British Empire is still large. He controls one-fourth of the Earth. He's also got, watch this, good relations with both Muslims and Israel. He claims to be a Protestant, but, quote, he converted to Islam. Now, wait a second, wait a second. Why would this guy convert to Islam? You ever see those funky hats that the guys wear, the little tassel and the little thing there and the little sword, whatever? You're going to see why in just a second and what those fez hats really mean. And I quote, as a top Freemason, King Charles wants to build, and I quote, listen, wants to build the Jewish third temple and leads the way of Agenda 2030 with Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. It's almost like this has been a plan for a long time. And slowly but surely, these British nobles with Freemasonry, which is where it started over there, has slowly, finally figured out a different way to invade America. They couldn't do it in the Revolutionary War. They couldn't do it in 1812. Just backed up, took a deep breath. Let's try a different tact. And let's re-educate these Americans to be better British Freemasons in essence. And we'll get you from the inside out. Isn't that crazy? Well, that's just what we talked about. There's a little bonus from the history, uh, the history of Freemasonry. Okay, now we're going to turn to the beliefs. Okay, and we're going to see even more proof that Freemasonry really is really an occult secret society. And we're going to see that it's not just in the world, it's in the church. You're going to see that abundantly tonight. And we're going to see not just why our government is behaving, uh, but it's according to their beliefs, and not just beliefs, but their Freemasonry beliefs. But as always, before we get into that, let's remind ourselves once again why nobody should be a part of this occult secret society called Freemasonry. Certainly not if you profess to be a Christian. Are you kidding me? It'll never work, but don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God's. Matthew 6 is our opening text. Once again, we are listening to Jesus, and uh, he makes it very plain. Uh, you, uh, you can't straddle the fence, right, is the old saying. And uh, you, you better make up your mind who you're going to serve, right? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, right? That, you think that's basic Christianity, right? Well... That's not what happens with Freemason, even those who profess to be Christians. And we're going to see that in a second. But here's what Jesus says, Matthew 6, verse 19. Again, he brings out several dichotomies. And what he's doing is he's exposing, right, your heart. He's exposing the mind. And then he's exposing when you're divided. Listen, you got to make up your mind. you got to make up your heart. you got to decide because the issue is when you try to play both sides of the fence, right, you say one thing, but you do another. Listen, it's all going to come out. It's all going to come out. And that's where he starts in the context here. Verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break and steal. Why? Because where your treasure is, there what? Your heart will be also. It'll, it exposes your heart. Oh, I love God. He's wonderful. But if all you do is live for the things of this world 
as 1 John also reiterates basically the same thing. He says, listen, if you love this world, the things of this world, then the love of the Father is not in you. Who are you kidding? You're kidding just yourself as if God doesn't know and he can't see. Hello. But it exposes your heart. I love God. But if all you do is store up just stuff here, come on. That really tells where your heart's really at. So he's exposing the heart. Now he's going to expose your eyes, your mind. Watch this. And then he goes on. He says, well, your eyes. Your eyes, the what? It's the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Oh, I love God. I'm here to live a holy Christian life and be holy as he is holy. By the spirit of God, I'm here for him. And this is his temple now. Yeah, really. But then what are you allowing into your eyes? And don't, don't think it doesn't affect you. When you allow wickedness into your eyes, it's the lamp of the body, and it'll get darker and darker and darker, and how great will that darkness be? So you can say you love them all you want, but you better watch you know, what you do in your life because it's going to expose your heart. You better watch what you put into your brain, right? Because it'll create a dark life. And then here he puts it on the line. You've got to make up your mind. You can't straddle both sides of the fence. Here's what he says. No one can serve what? See, that's the issue, isn't it, in the context, right? You say you serve God, but you really love the things of this world and money more than God. And it shows. He's exposing your heart. You say you love God and you appreciate what he's done for you and you want to be a holy Christian uh, life example for the people around you, but really you're sucking in the wickedness of this world. You can't do that, man. You can't serve two masters, right? Either he will what? Hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And in our context tonight, you're going to see this very plainly. It's almost became a theme. I didn't plan on this. You cannot serve both God and Freemasonry. You cannot. It's impossible. You cannot have two, mans, two uh, uh, masters. You're always going to choose one or the other. And this is what we're going to see with tonight, folks. Freemasonry, when push comes to shove, even though they profess, some of them profess to be Christians, when put to the test, push comes to shove, they always choose the lodge over the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you a quick example real quick. How could any Christian, and this is what disturbs me so deeply, is that we have Christian men who join the lodge, they bow at an altar before, they, before a man they call the worshipful master. You know, Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. And every man out there has to decide, are you going to follow the worshipful master of the lodge or follow the only worshipful master, Jesus Christ? You cannot serve two masters. Hmm. And then to take a pagan blood oath, which James chapter 5 says is an abomination to God. To take a blood oath to have your throat cut from ear to ear, your bowels ripped open. That's just the first of many oaths as you go along in your degrees right. in masonry, right? And after you go through the first three degrees of what is called the Blue Lodge, uh, masons are then allowed to go into either the Scottish Rite or the York Rite, uh, <clears throat> 32nd degrees in the Scottish Rite or 13 in the York Rite. And there they go through a progression of rituals and degree work where they give worship and honor to Egyptian gods, Persian gods, Greek gods, Babylonian gods. For almost 23 years I had a radio program across the nation. And about once every six months I would do a program about masonry. And I would get a flood of mail. Now I expected the mail to be from enraged masons, but it wasn't. Nearly all the mail came from wives of masons. And it read like a broken record. The, they would read like this, My husband claims to be a Christian. He goes to church twice a year, Easter and Christmas. Or he goes to church once every six months. Or he goes to church once a month. But he never misses a lodge meeting. 
And I feel like this is a point of separation between the two of us because he says it's all secret hocus pocus. That was the letter I got over and over and over. Yeah, and this is what we see, that the Lodge has become their God. It's become their religion. And when you give many Masons the option between Jesus Christ and the Lodge, they choose the Lodge. Who's your master? It ain't Jesus. How can you do this and you're professing to be a Christian? And this is what Jesus says. Listen, as if God's deaf and blind and he can't see. Oh, no, they had a secret meeting with their secret handshakes wearing their secret underwear. I can't see. He can see everything. You can't have two masters. You're always going to choose one or the other. Push comes to shove. What do they choose? They choose the lodge over Jesus Christ. They choose Freemasonry over the Father. And this is why we're going to take a look deeper into the beliefs of Freemasonry, because that's what they're charged to do. And yet they profess to be Christians, some of them. It's completely antithetical to Christianity. Freemasonry, Christianity, it's like an oxymoron. It's like saying yummy chicken. It just don't exist, all right? Okay, it can't mix. Your, uh, and if you think that, you're going to end up living a lie because, again, what should Jesus say? Hey, it's going to come out sooner or later. The truth's going to come out. God knows it anyway, but he's going to bring it out. You're going to hate the one. You're going to love the other. It'll be apparent when put to the test. You're going to devote, be devoted to the one, and you're going to despise the other. Make up your mind. Who is your master? Is it the Lodge of Freemasonry or the biblical Lord Jesus Christ? They do not mix. Now, here's a reason why. The first reason why is because they get this completely wrong. It's their it, uh, issue on authority. So what governs their belief systems? For you and I, be what? Right here, the Bible. For them, they act, oh, there, there was a Bible at the Lodge, and it's got to be Christian. No, that's not at all what's going on. Let's expose that. While the Bible may be quoted in some Freemason lodges, for the Mason, the sources of authority are, and I quote, the Masonic rituals, the Grand Lodges, and prominent Masonic authorities and writers. This is this problem. This is why it's hard uh, sometimes to witness to these guys because they bounce around. It's like trying to witness to a Catholic. They say, oh, we've got a Bible, we've got a Bible, but their Bible ain't the same as ours, number one. Okay, but still, then we, we quote from the Bible, and they say, well, the Pope says. Well, who cares what the Pope says? But see, that's one of their sources of authority. And then so you go back to the Bible as a Christian, because it's supposed to be the Bible. And they said, well, the early church fathers ruled and counseled, blah, blah, blah. Or the, these other guys have said, or the, it's like, who cares? See, that's, they dance around. Uh, uh, it, Mormons, you try to witness to a Mormon, right? They say, oh, we believe in the King James, King James Bible, whatever, right? They just don't even follow that. But when push comes to shove, you quote the scripture, what do they revert to? Well, the Book of Mormon says, or the Pearl of the Great Price says, right? I'll, I'll mention this one. You try to witness to a charismatic. Oh, yeah, we believe in the Bible, in the Bible, right? Yeah, but then you point out from the Bible what they're doing is completely unbiblical, antithetical to scripture. Yeah, but God told me to tell you. No, I had a vision. No, prophet so-and-so told me that God gave they're outside the Bible, right? This is the same thing with Freemasonry. Push comes to shove. It is not this book, folks. This is not their authority. They have it up there. It's no better than if you ever gone to those people's homes that maybe profess to be Christians and some of the most ungodly things, whatever, but you went over there and you visited anyway. But you know what they got? Right there on that table. As soon as you walk in that door, that big giant coffee table, there's that 87-pound giant family Bible. To show how spiritual they are. They've got to be Christians. Right? Are you kidding me? Right? It's the same thing. Just because there may be a Bible 
at a lodge does not mean that's their authority, and frankly, it is not. They quote, and I quote, Masonic rituals, grand lodges, prominent Masonic authorities, and other writers. So that's, that's the challenge. The other thing, too, is we're going to see in a second, even what they say is the Bible, right, as authority, it isn't just the Bible. They accept just about any kind of, quote, religious book on top of the Masonic rituals, the Grand Lodges, and other Masonic authorities. Now, listen to this. The rituals of the Scottish Rite teach that, quote, Masonry is of, and this is the word they use, divine origin. That's their word. A Mason newsletter stated this. Masonry is a divinely appointed institution. In Freemasonry, listen, the Masonic authorities supersede the Bible. Woo! So now you're on the level with the Pope. What the Pope says, he's just a man. But he's the vicar of Christ, supposed to be in place of Christ, the voice of God. Are you kidding me? Right? But this is the same mentality. That's their source of authority. It's not the Bible. You may have one there, but that's not your authority. This is incompatible with the place of authority for, that the Word of God should have in a professing Christian's life. It is not man. It's not Freemasonry. It's not whatever. Make it up. But again, it's not just that. It's not just that they quote other sources. They believe that they're divinely inspired, these other Masonic writers and all that stuff, which is crazy. But again, they admit that it's any religious book. It's just a symbol. It's just like sticking something on the coffee table to make you look spiritual. And they admit it. Watch this. This is on tape. This is a Freemason video talking about their holy writings. It, 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 notice it was plural. Okay, let's take a look at that. This is the Holy Writings, the first great light to which a Masonic initiate's eyes are opened. It is the Bible. It is the Quran. It's the Tanakh. It is the Torah, the Vedas, the Analects of Confucius. It rests upon the altar as more than a symbol. It is a promise between an initiate and his God. It is an understanding between a Mason and his brothers. It is a sign of the journey to come, deeply personal, profoundly meaningful, and bigger than any one of us. By understanding the Holy Writings, we understand how the fraternity grew into a global brotherhood, one that bridged centuries of religious turmoil and brought men of faith together in one common belief, truth. Yeah, whose truth? Not the truth of the Bible. You saw it. It's on tape. And that's their own video. You, you, it could be any source. It could be the Hindu Vedas. It could be Confucius. It's crazy, folks. This is what's going on. So who cares? They got a Bible there. That doesn't, they may even quote a Bible verse. They didn't make a Christian. They do not have the same source of authority. And again, how can you sit there and profess to be a Christian and you, say, and, and you stay there? What's the biblical response? Scripture alone is the authority for the believer. Scriptures are authoritative and constitute our only source of faith and practice. Matthew 5, 2 Timothy 3, Hebrews 4, 2 Peter 1. Only Scripture is perfectly adequate for all matters of faith and conduct, for salvation and sanctification, i.e. our maturity. It is all sufficient in regards to the soul of man, our relationship to God, and our relationship with other people. And if you want to get uh, creepy and sound really religious, you can quote the uh, Latin, Sola Scriptura. That's the Protestant. Again, what were we? We're protesting the... Roman Catholic system, the pseudo-fake Christianity system, we were protesting against that and came up with the solas, and one of them was sola scriptura. It's the Bible alone that determines our rule for faith and practice. 
So that's the first reason why it's wrong. It'll always be wrong. It is not incompatible uh, with Christianity, not even close, because their source of authority is completely off the charts. It's not the same of ours. Okay. The next one is that they get wrong is the nature of God. So they got the authority problem, and they don't have the same God as we got. Not even close. Okay. And I quote, for the individual Mason, they may believe in, and I quote, any God that they choose. Well, that's just like the Bible. Are you kidding me? There's only one God, and it's only the biblical God as defined in the Bible. But that's not what they teach. Now, the Masonic name that they have for God is the great architect of the universe. You'll also see it in uh, the, uh, uh, oftentimes they'll have it as, you know, the great architect, okay, uh, of the, the universe uh, that they'll have there, uh, G-A-O of the universe. You'll see that oftentimes in their writings Okay, and sometimes with the, the periods or whatever. But basically, that's their version of God. But it's not the God of the Bible. Well, it's got, they said the great architect of the universe, and it's got to be God. No, it's not. And basically, it's just a, it's a, it's a phraseology of their version of picking the God you want. We ain't going to say just Jehovah, because it might be a different kind of God to that guy, or a different kind of God. You see what I'm saying? So they made up a generic term. The great architect of the universe is not the God of the Bible. Okay, and it does, uh, and and one does not equate uh, the faith in 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 that. Uh, many non-Christian groups, if you think about it, uh, they have a God. Muslims have a God. Is it the same God of the Bible? No. No. Uh, deists have uh, we, shamanism, voodoo, uh, all these other guys. They have they have gods and goddesses and deities and all this. Is it the same God? No. Of of course not. Okay, they're different from the Bible. Freemasonry speaks of a great architect of the universe, but it does not affirm the truth of who that God is, and most importantly, who God is according to the Bible. Okay? And, and I quote, Freemasons use the term the great architect of the universe precisely because it is ambiguous. And it's a neutral term on purpose so that anybody's version of any God could fit there. And they actually admit it on tape. Watch this. Freemasonry does have a religious component within the regular and recognized system, a belief in a supreme being or higher power. We actually refer to it as the grand architect of the universe or the great architect of the universe. And that is not a Masonic God by any means. That is a term that we use that we hope is generic enough that regardless of what your spiritual or religious beliefs are, that that is one that you feel comfortable with using, that no matter who your higher power is or what your higher power is, that it's the great designer. You see what he says? It's a generic term that they picked. It is not the biblical God. It's generic, ambiguous. You get to fill in the blank. How is this compatible with the Christian? How does a Christian submit to this? It's not. There's just no way. And this is from a Masonic uh, publication. Freemasonry assumes <clears throat> that God is a reality in the mind of every man, and it leaves it to that man the prerogative of fashioning his own theological and philosophical theories. Uh, the Bible will call that an idol. You're fashioning your own God. Uh, a man, this is Freemason, this is from them. <clears throat> a Freemason may believe in the Trinity or deny the same. He may believe in the deity of Jesus or not. He may hold that God created the universe out of nothing. He may prefer to think that the universe is coexistence with God. Masonry does not demand that we define or accept any definitions of God. The great architect of the universe may or name, uh, may not be whatever you want it to be. Agree with somebody else. It doesn't have to agree. He, Freemasonry, leaves it up to each person to decide what is true about God. It's crazy. 
And as the Mason progresses through the degrees, he's taught a most significant secret. Right? So they picked a generic term, the great architect of the universe, so that, it could, that anybody with any version of any God could join the secret society and feel spiritual. But one of their secrets is they have a secret name for God in general. All right? Now, there's different spellings of it. I'll just give you one. Uh, Jabulon, okay, uh, is one version of it. Uh, J-A-B-U-L-O-N or J-A-H-B-U-L-O-N or J-A-B-U-L-O-M. But basically, this is their secret word. The great architect universe is the all-encompassing, ambiguous term to get anybody's version of God. But then they come and say, but see, but see, you combine all this together and all these different gods, and this is the secret name, right? And basically what this stands for, uh, uh, if, you, if you split it up, basically it's a combination supposedly of the biblical Yahweh, Jah, Yah, Yahweh, uh, Baal, and Om, which is one of the uh, Hebrew, or excuse me, the Hindu deities. So you got a combination of Hebrew, Phoenician, and Hindu deities. And that's what that means. It's just that. So that's their thing. And, uh, but basically, it's a plural deity. So they got a generic term, the great architect of the universe, fit anything. And then they named the plurality of these gods with this secret name. But you can see that here. Watch this. We are praying to the same God the one God, the all-creating God, the same God that is on the dollar bill, and God we trust. Right. And the, the Hindus too, and the, the Buddhists, and, and the same all found there. Well, you're nitpicking, and that's not no, no, really no. What that's this very is all that's very factual. That's the minute. That's the crux of the whole no. thing. The God of the Bible is not the God of the Hindus. The God of the Bible is not the God of the Buddhists. The God of the Bible is not Allah. The God of the Bible is the Lord eternal God who became man in Jesus Christ. You cannot call him by all these different names and say you're talking about the one God. That's we, biblical nonsense. We, we are not doing it. In a Buddhist lodge, in a Zoroastrian lodge, in a Muslim lodge, are they praying to the same God you're praying to? They are praying to their God. To the same God you're praying to? Well, no, I, I, I can't say that. But they're lost. <laughs> But so you're still Mason. So all your Masonic you, you, brothers, I, I want to get this out, all your Masonic brothers who reject Jesus Christ's gospel and follow these things, even in the full light of Masonry, are lost. <laughs> that guy was professing to be a Christian. It's like, are you even hearing what's coming out of your mouth? He admits that they're totally different gods, but that's somehow okay. And remember, he, did you hear him say, but they're Masons. It's like, that's the whole point. You just got to be a mason. Somehow you're okay. <laughs> Nuts. Nuts. But this is what's going on. Oh, by the way, what did he say? It's the same God that's on our currency. So we thought it was the biblical God. According to the masons, it's their all-encompassing plural God. Oops, did we get fooled on that one? Wow, you learn something new every night. But they go on and say this. Albert Pike, again, one of the big guys that they quote, that they say have divine inspiration, uh, says that all religions have the same idea, idea of the deity. Masonry teaches that God created the universe, but he's not currently active in either mercy or judgment. He cannot be known personally or by revelation, 
but only generally through reason. Which, if you think about that, that means that Jesus and the Bible, they're not, according to them, revelations of God. Because you just can't ever know, and it's like, it's nuts. So how do we respond? Well, this is not the God of the Bible by any stretch of the means. The true God is only known through Jesus Christ, so faith in Jesus Christ is not optional. As Jesus said, you want to see the Father, you see me. You want to know who God is? Look at me, because I'm here in the flesh, Philippians chapter 2. The true God exists as uh, three in one, a triune God. He uh, communicates himself through special revelation, Hebrews chapter 1. In the past, he spoke through the prophets. In the last days, he's spoken to us through his sons. Where's all that recorded for us? Right here in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. We don't need another word from God. The canon is closed, right? But how do you, how do you get to know him? God tells us this is right here. Read Hebrews chapter 1. Okay, uh, maintaining a belief in the great architect of the universe is essentially no more than acknowledging, quote, a God of some type exists. That is not biblical faith. In fact, saying that a creator God exists, listen, puts you on par with the faith of demons. James chapter two, you believe in there was one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. The Bible declares there's only one God, Deuteronomy 6. He's creator and Lord of everything that exists, Genesis 1 through 3. He is infinite, 1 Kings 8, Acts 17. He's transcendent. He's eternal, Genesis 21, Psalm 90. He's unchangeable, James 1, omnipresent, Psalm 139. He is sovereign, Ephesians 1, omniscient, Matthew 11, and omnipotent, Revelation 19. He eternally exists as the triune God, as the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Each are equal, having the same attributes, equally worthy of adoration, worship, and faith. And that is not the God of Freemasonry. They worship gods that you get to decide. And again, how could you be a professing Christian and stay in this? This is nuts. But this is why you make up your mind. Who are you going to choose? You can't serve two masters. This will never work. You can't mix the two. It's worse than oil and water. Freemasonry, Christianity. If I'm a Freemason, I'm a Christian at the same time. No, you can't. No, you can't. You're going to hate the one and despise the other. You'll love the one, you'll be devoted to the other. Give it up. You can't mesh the two together. But that's what they try because they're trying to pull people in. And I won't say Christians. I'm going to pull people in who go to church services. And then some of those people, just like the occult comes and invades the church to help to, to ultimately take over the church. Remember we saw that with the Satanists and the witches? You get these Freemason guys coming in who have a loyalty to the lodge, not Jesus, with this pluralistic message that all gods and you have no right to say anything and you work your way to the celestial lodge, and they take charge of the church, no wonder churches don't want to talk about what needs to be talked about today. No wonder they don't even give the gospel, because they're not believing in the gospel. Because these people have taken over, not just witches, not just Satanists, but Freemasonry. Again, we'll see even more proof of that here in just a second. But here's another thing they get wrong. Shocker! They get Jesus wrong. Right, And this is important. We dealt with this so many times in our world religions, cults, and the occult study. Right, Mormons say they believe in Jesus. Right? They'll tell you that right to your face. But their Jesus is saying, you've got to get behind the veneer. You've you got to ask, well, will you tell me who your Jesus is. I'll tell you if you got it right. right? Uh, oh, he's the spirit brother of Lucifer. Uh, well, then you don't believe in the same Jesus I believe in. Jehovah's Witnesses, same thing. Oh, we believe in Jesus. They'll tell you that. Come knocking at your door. Oh, absolutely, we believe in Jesus. Really? Oh, they believe he's the Archangel Michael. Well, they ain't the Jesus of the Bible. Same thing with Freemasonry. Oh, yeah, we believe in Jesus, but their Jesus ain't the same one. Okay? First of all, they believe that there are many ways to God. But what did Jesus say? John 14, 6. He is the way, the truth, the life. 
Nobody comes to the Father except through him. And I quote, it says, in his private petitions, the Mason, he may petition God or Jehovah, Allah or Buddha, Muhammad or Jesus. He may call upon the God of Israel or the first great cause. And for those who make it all the way to the Shriners, they move from being ambiguous to whatever God, and they specifically have to pledge their allegiance, not to Jesus, but to Allah. Now you're going to find out the Fez had. Watch this. When you get up to a certain level in the Masons that you're qualified to go into the Shriners, which I guess is really the height of the whole thing. And um, then you talked about the distinctive headgear that they wear, the fez. And we, we've seen all these circuses at, at, at uh, uh, parades. They come down the street on their motorcycles wearing their fez. Tell us, first of all, what, what is the Shriners and what is the significance of that fez? Well, you'll see the men in the Shrine parades and yes. Shrine circus wearing their red fez. Uh, in order to be a Shriner, you have to re reach the highest degrees of Freemasonry, either the 32nd degree of the Scottish Rite or 13th degree of the York Rite, and then you're allowed to go into the Shrine. And sadly, many Christians have gone into this, which is hard to understand, because in order to be a Shriner, in the initiation, every Shriner takes a blood oath of allegiance to Allah as his God and Muhammad as his prophet. Now, are you kidding me? No. And in light of 9-11, you got to wonder, how can any Christian take a blood oath of allegiance when God absolutely forbids that in the Ten Commandments? And yet they're not even allowed to pray in the name of Jesus at the lodge, are they? No. But you swear allegiance that Allah is your God, Muhammad is your prophet. You are then given this red fez with the Islamic sword and crescent, encrusted in jewels on the front of it. And you'll see men wearing this. And people say, well, why do they wear the red fez? It is because if you study history, uh, during the 7th and 8th century as the Muslims swept across North Africa, they came to Fez, Morocco. And in Fez, Morocco, there was a large community of Christians. And Muhammad had ordered the slaughter of all the infidels, meaning Christians, who would not bow down to Allah and Muhammad as the prophet. And the Muslims went in with the Islamic sword, and there in Fez slaughtered thousands of Christians. And then they took their Fez hats, and they dipped it in the blood of Christians, glorying in the defeat of Christianity. And that's why the fezes are red, representing the blood of Christians defeated by the Islamic sword, which they have encrusted in jewels on the front. And there are Christians who walk around wearing this hat. And Dave, to be honest, it's an abomination in the eyes of God. Oh, my. Again, I don't know... At how you can be a born-again Christian and go with the Holy Spirit of God, who not only is our deposit, our seal, guaranteeing our redemption, but what does he do the moment you get saved? If you sin, what, he, what does he do? He convicts you. How could you do this? No conviction, and you just keep doing it, and then you get a chance to serve in the church, to go to the church, but eh, maybe twice a year, but you never miss a lodge meeting. Hey, who's your master? I think it's pretty obvious. It ain't Jesus Christ. You can profess all you want. This is crazy. And I quote, this is from uh, Introduction to Freemasonry, page 38. In the Masonic Lodge, the Mason hears the petition to the great architect of the universe, finding his own deity under that name. A hundred paths may wind upward around a mountain, but at the top they meet. No, they don't. There's only one way. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the biblical response to this heresy, 
is he is eternal, uncreated, second person of the Trinity. He's eternally one with the Father, incarnated supernaturally, John chapter 1, Matthew 1. He's the eternal God-man, fully God, fully man. He's the incarnation, Jesus Christ. He, he only surrendered the prerogatives of deity, but not his divine uh, essence, Philippians chapter 2, Colossians 1. He, Jesus' birth was sinless, a sinless life. His death is resurrection. They're all literal historical events. He willingly died on the cross as the perfect sacrifice for sin, John chapter 10, Romans chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 2. The resurrection of Jesus confirms his deity and proves that God accepted his atoning sacrifice. Amen to that. John 5, Romans chapter 1. He is the only mediator between God and man, 1 Timothy 2, 5. He's the only way to the Father, i.e. means of salvation. Again, John 14, 6. He is the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father except through him, not Allah, not Muhammad, not Confucius, not your own works, none of that stuff. It's Jesus Christ. And again, that's not Freemasonry. That is not Freemasonry. Okay? They get it wrong also on this next one. They get it wrong on the nature of man. Who's that big tall guy there? What? It, oh, 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 oh. Are you having a Shaq attack right now? Yeah, that's Shaq. Shaq's a Freemason. So is Scotty Pippen. So is John Elway. I'm just calling out a couple sports figures. Yeah. Yeah, that's Shaq right there. What's going on? Sports figures, government figures, Hollywood figures. Yeah, we'll probably have a whole study. Just I'm going to blow your mind away with people that can be verified are Freemasons. And then it starts to explain some things. The British did a good job infiltrating America. They tried two tactics, the Revolutionary War in 1812, and it didn't work. Back up, Cecil Rhodes go into the universities, brainwash these guys to become better British Freemasons. Interesting. And they're everywhere. But they get the doctrine of man wrong. According to Masons, humans are flawed but not depraved. All non-Masons exist in spiritual darkness. That would be you and I. Humans are able to improve their behavior and character. Listen, and each individual must be educated to reach this perfection. And I quote, listen to these three lines of Freemasonry. Freemasonry provides the means of which one can obtain salvation. Man, yeah, we're marred, but we can work our way to heaven. We're not that bad, right? But it's through Freemasonry is how you get there. Number two, humans are not in need of someone to make atonement for their sins. That's a direct quote. That's a total denial of the cross of Christ. Number three, humans are capable of doing all that is needed for their salvation through masonry. That's a workspace false gospel, right? It's crazy, as you can see here. Watch this. The ultimate goal of all masons is to spend eternity before the throne of the great what is it? Of architect the, an architect of the, universe. of the universe. Worshiping him hand in hand with Hindus, Muslims, Confucians, Buddhists, and it named every religion in the world. In Freemasonry, they say that all religions are the same. It doesn't matter which religion you are. And uh, they say Jesus, Buddha, Confucius, Muhammad, the name means little. What did Jesus say? Yeah. I am the way. I Absolutely. am the truth. I am the life. There's no other way of the Father but by me. Peter said there's no other name in heaven by which you can be saved. How can you profess to be a Christian and turn around and, and buy that? Where I live, I had one of the leaders of the Masonic Lodge in our town uh, give me a call. He, in fact, he was uh, the chaplain of the shrine. And he said, how dare you say that I'm not a Christian? He said, I'm an elder in my church. I teach Sunday school in my ch church. 
And I stopped him. I said, sir, I said, if you were to die and stand before God today, and he should ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? I said, what would you say to him? And there was silence on the phone for about 10 seconds. And finally, he said to me, he said, well, I guess I would have to tell God I was a good Mason. <laughs> because, you see, Freemasonry claims to be a religion of morality that through their own good works and through their own good efforts, they say, look at the children's hospitals, look at the burn units, look at the things we support. You know, there's nothing wrong with good works, but friends, good works are not going to save you. Amen. Wow. So you're no better off than Mormons out there on your little bike tour. Jehovah's Witnesses doing your tally of this is how many bloody knuckles I got knocking on doors telling people about Jehovah today. I've refrained from caffeine. I'm doing all this stuff, right? I've went up the bloody steps, you know, going through the rosary 500 times doing penance. Same thing in Freemasonry. It's a false gospel. The Bible declares that God created mankind in his image, but by our own will, man chose to sin against God, and therefore are under condemnation of physical and spiritual death, eternal separation from God. Genesis 3, Romans 3, Isaiah 59. And that has corrupted every aspect of our being, our intellect, our conscience, our will, and our heart. People are therefore biblically unable to save themselves. We need a Savior. And that's Jesus Christ. But that's not masonry. Right? Let me give you one more. Again, kind of dovetailing of what we just saw. Salvation. How do you get there? Boy, of all things to get wrong, you don't want to get wrong. How do I make it to heaven? Well, they get that wrong too. They get the authority wrong. They get God wrong, Jesus wrong. Man of itself, we cannot save ourselves. They think so though. But salvation. Masonry teaches a work salvation, which is opposed to the biblical plan of salvation of grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, let me quote again. This is from the Freemason's Guide. This is their own writing. This is page 196, this first quote. The three degrees, first, second, third, thus form a perfect and harmonious whole and, and, and nor can it be conceived that anything can be suggested more which the soul of man requires. You just got to at least make it through the first three degrees. This is page 79. Same thing, Freemason's Guide. If we, with suitable true devotion, maintain our Masonic profession, our faith will become a beam of light and bring us to those blessed mansions where we will be eternally happy with God, the great architect. Of the universe. No, you'll be in torment in hell with the demons laughing their guts out because they got you. And this is uh, J.D. Black, Mystic Masonry, page 57, quote, salvation by faith and the vicarious atonement, listen, were not taught as now interpreted by Jesus, nor are these doctrines taught in the esoteric scriptures. They are later and ignorant perversions of the original doctrines. So they would say that what we believe in the biblical account, that it is only through the atonement of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, that our sins are atoned for, forgiven through his death on the cross, accepted by God, that that is completely ignorant. And they got earlier versions that prove us otherwise. And you're going to stay in this and you're going to profess to be a Christian? Did you see that? That guy was an elder in the church and taught Sunday school. And he admitted out of his mouth when he was challenged by somebody. Well, I'm a good Mason. Isn't that freaky? 
I said before, say again, it's bad enough that the occult has invaded the church. We saw that over the last 66 studies with witchcraft and Satanism, voodoo. No wonder things are messed up. Now add secret occult societies with a false gospel and get these guys on top of those other ones into positions of leadership. No wonder things are so stinking messed up. Crazy. But here they are admitting they are not trusting in a grace gospel uh, to get them to heaven. Watch this. What you have to do is go to their own teachings and look at what do the Masonic authorities say Masonry is. They claim it's a religion that is a religion of morality, that they are seeking to earn their salvation through their good works. And as I tell men, you know, there's nothing wrong with good works. There's nothing wrong with children's hospitals or burn units. Uh, but understand that Shriners who give money to the Shrine hospitals, they are doing that believing that they can earn their salvation in the celestial lodge above where they say the great architect of the universe lives. And when you go to a Masonic funeral and they're buried with that white lambskin apron, they say there that it is through their purity of their life and morality that they will earn the celestial lodge. And how much better would it be to give that same money to Christian churches or Christian hospitals or organizations where the work is being done in the name of Jesus Christ to give glory to Him? Yeah. And, you know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says... For by grace we are saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, That's lest right. anyone should boast. And yet, that is exactly what Freemasonry does. They boast in their works. Look at us. We build all these hospitals. We take care of the kids. If anything, visualize when you see the Shriners and Shriners. That's basically we're working our way to heaven. That's what you're looking at. That's their false gospel in action. Again, there's nothing wrong with taking care of kids, doing that stuff, but that's not their motive in doing that. Did you mention, again, we'll probably get into this later, but again, you keep hearing them talk about this white apron. You saw the pictures. They're always wearing this apron, but it's supposed to represent their purity, right? Their own righteousness, that they can make it to the celestial kingdom. Is any of that starting to sound familiar? Mormons with their apron, their secret underwear. And you want to make it to the third celestial kingdom through your works. Why? Because, again, we'll probably have a whole study on Joseph Smith. We dealt with this before in our Mormonism study that you guys memorized last week. But he ripped off from, he was a Freemason and an occultist and a pathological liar and a plagiarist. And he ripped off all their secret things that only Mormons know in the temple from Freemasonry, including secret handshakes. It's crazy. Secret underwear. It's all from Freemasonry. So, but see, people don't put two and two together because they keep it secret and they keep it secret. And the only reason why you and I know is because people come out of Freemasonry and tell us what they're doing. They come out of Mormonism and tell them what they're doing. And we put two and two together. It's crazy. Biblical response. Salvation is a work of God and only God. It is completely by God not on the basis of human merit or works. And it is a free gift from God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We heard that quoted. And not of uh, works, lest anyone should boast. Uh, there is no uh, work required uh, for salvation, meaning, i.e., baptism or good deeds or obeying commandments or going to a church service, giving money or praying or doing penance or surrendering to an organization or the Freemasons or the Shriners or giving to the hospitals or dressing up like a clown and riding around, you know, all that stuff. It's only by the grace of God through faith in what Christ has done. That's it. But that is not Freemasonry. And again, how any professing Christian could be a part of this is mind-blowing. 
But when you take a look at this, you know what happens? It will expose exactly what Jesus said, who's your master? And it will expose the conundrum that these guys really are in. He lays it on the line because he loves us. He loves people. He doesn't want them to go to hell. And he says, you got to make up your mind, man. You can't serve both. Trying to play this, both sides of the fence. Oh, I go to church service. I'm an elder. I teach in Sunday school. But man, I never miss a lodge meeting. That's real. I'm on my apron. I'm getting there. I'm giving to the kids. I'm helping them with the hospitals. I'm doing all these good deeds in the community. Make up your mind. You can't have two masters. And push comes to shove. You're going to show eventually who you really follow and worship. And for Masons, it ain't Jesus. They will choose the lodge over him. You'll hate the one, you'll love the other, you'll be devoted to one, despise the other. Make up your mind who is your master, the lodge of Freemasonry or the Lord Jesus Christ. And basically, this is, again, the other benefit that we're doing. We're not just getting equipped on this. The whole point is we need to reach people, I don't care who they are, pagan on the street, involved in where we left off with our last one, vampires or druids or shamanism, uh, Satanists, witches, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Christian Science, Seventh-day Adventists, Roman Catholics. Muslims, what's the whole point? It's to share the gospel with them. And that's the way we need to look at it with all the stuff that we're learning. It's not like, oh, wow, I didn't know that it said in God we trust, but it's not the God of the Bible. Well, I learned from every day. The whole point is we're getting equipped to what? To reach these people with the gospel. They need to be saying, now listen, but here's what's, here's what's concerning. They may be in your church. They may be on the elder board. They may be behind the pulpit. Those are the people you need to witness to. That should be our focus with this study. Watch this. Uh, when I went to a church up in uh, Indiana to preach, and I walked in the door, and there's a huge chart on the wall. And um, all people were standing around looking at it, so I thought I'd go look at the chart. And it was very interesting. They had had a 24-hour prayer chain where the people had signed up 15 minutes each for 24 hours day and night to pray for this meeting. And boy, I was, I was really blessed by that. And I'm standing there looking at this, and this man next to me, I turned to him, I said, boy, this is wonderful. He said, yeah, it really is. He said, you know, I'm one of the elders of this church. And I said, oh, is that right? Where is your name on there? He said, oh, well, my name's not on there. I said, why? He said, well, I had a lodge meeting last night, you know, the Masonic Lodge, and so I couldn't uh, give any time to the prayer chain. Yeah. Now, he was putting that before his church. Yeah, and, and sadly, many Masons do not, for some reason, they don't even question what they're doing. They go through these pagan rituals, giving worship to every pagan deity, and then claiming that I can be a Christian and bow before an altar, before a man they call the Worshipful Master, and say you're lost in darkness and you need the light of Freemasonry. Folks, this is not Christianity. In fact, it's a pagan cult. And we, we, we need to warn men they need to flee it, they need to repent of it, and get out of it. What they are involved with, they will realize it is not compatible with Scripture. You cannot be a Mason and be a Christian that choose you to this day who you will serve. You know, either you're going to serve Baal or you're going to serve God. But if you are a Mason, you know that in the very first initiation, uh, you bowed at an altar before a man you called the Worshipful Master. If you are a Christian, you cannot serve two masters. Either you're going to serve the Lodge or serve Jesus Christ. Masonry claims to be the revival of the ancient mystery religions, a religion of good works. But friends, salvation isn't through good works. It is through faith alone in Jesus Christ. And if you are seeking to earn the righteousness by Masonic activity, 
Uh, you are following a false religion and you need to flee it. You need to repent of it and discover the freedom that comes in knowing Jesus Christ and serving him alone. Amen. And that's the purpose of doing all these studies. It's not just to wow us, but it's to get us equipped to be able to witness to anybody. And that should be in the Bible somewhere, John. What do you think? Is that maybe a verse? You find it. You let me know. Text it to me. Maybe next week I could share it. Lord willing, next time we're going to get into this, the symbols of Freemasonry. Shocker, just like we saw, remember, with witchcraft? Just like we saw with Satanism? Just like we saw with voodoo and all the other ones? They codify their beliefs in symbols. Freemasonry does the same thing. And here's the point. Just like we saw with witchcraft. Remember when we went through witchcraft we went through all the symbols and Satanism? And then I heard some reports from you guys like, well, Pastor Bill, I didn't know what those things mean. But now I see them, see them everywhere. They're everywhere. But I, did, I didn't know it was from witchcraft. I didn't know that was Satanists marking their territories. You're going to see the same thing with Freemasonry. It's everywhere. And it ain't just on the dollar bill. It's everywhere. They have infiltrated our country, as you saw on tape, for the purposes of taking our once great Christian nation and basically tearing it into a pluralistic Freemasonry sicko utopia to depopulate the earth so that the elites can have their peasants serve them just like the good old days before America came on the scene. But we'll get to that Lord one next time. Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not... How can we have a relationship with him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows he's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even his name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. 
The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the Scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior, if we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judge has said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what he was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey, folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave, and the Bible says you will be saved. 
Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.